Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to look at the first six verses. Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1, reads, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. This is God's word. You can be seated. Uh, would, you, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we come before you and we thank you for the opportunity to gather together this evening. Father, we do ask that as we wrestle with life decisions and your word this evening. Father, would you, would you remind us and impress upon our hearts that you are beautiful and wonderful and powerful, that you are the God who loves us. And Father, we ask that you would speak through your word this, this evening. You would also, that you would use me, that you would take these reflections, that you would infuse them with your power so that you and you alone would be glorified. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the fall of uh, 2012, I faced a, a rather difficult decision. Should I marry this amazing girl that I had been dating? I, I mean, she, she was everything I wanted. She loved Jesus. She loved me. She was gorgeous. She made me a better person. I was excited about a life of doing ministry together. But how could I be sure that, that God wanted me to marry this girl? How could I be sure that I wouldn't have regrets 10 years later if I married Emily? Ten, 10 years later, I can tell you no regrets. But, but part of the issue uh, was how I had made previous big decisions in my life. I had felt that God told me to go into ministry. And again, I felt that he had told me to attend Moody Bible Institute. So I just assumed that God makes the big decisions in your life obvious. Therefore, he would tell me who I was going to marry. However, God remained frustratingly silent on the subject matter. And what, we're going to, what I'm going to say tonight is really what I wish I could tell my past self. I, I wish I could have explained to my younger self how to make wise, non-moral decisions. But since I can't go back in time and do that, I'm choosing the next best option. I'm talking to all of you. Uh, and, and so this evening, we're going to talk about how can we make decisions that are in line with God's will. And, and to do that, we're going to look at three, uh, three inputs that, that move us toward decisions that conform to God's will for our lives. We could, we could call this uh, the way of wisdom, and we'll be drawing that out of Proverbs chapter 2. But before we dive in, uh, we, we need to have a couple, uh, a few uh, reminders of what we've been talking about and also some, some points of clarification. So first, God's will, 
his desire for you is for your holiness, not your happiness. Uh, we've said this since the beginning of this series, that God's goal is that you image his son, that you reflect God and his character in your life. And so the, the way of wisdom we're going to look at this evening is going to help us do that. It's, it's going to move us toward that goal uh, even when we make non-moral decisions, which is, is what we need to, to clarify, the second thing. A non-moral decision is a decision that does not have a clear right or wrong attached to it. Uh, we, we typically don't wonder if it's okay to kill someone or to lie, or to look at porn, because those are moral decisions, and the Bible is quite clear on them. It's the non-moral issues, the non-moral decisions that we tend to get hung up on. And if you can remember a couple weeks back, uh, in small groups, when your leader asked you what you would like to know God's will on, uh, I'm willing to bet that almost a hundred of the answers given were on non-moral issues like school or sports or careers or dating or something like that. And because these are non-moral issues, the moral instructions of Scripture um, won't help us as much as we would like them to. They do help us, but, but not, not necessarily always in the way we want them to. And so we, we need something that will help guide us in making decisions, which is wisdom. And so the final clarifier, what is wisdom? Wisdom is not knowledge in and of itself. Wisdom is knowledge that guides action. And probably the best way I, way I can illustrate that is I want you to imagine that you're on a road trip with a brilliant scientist and your car breaks down. And you turn to him and you say, do you know anything about a combustible engine? And he responds, of course. I know everything about a combustible engine. Great. Can you fix it? No. <laughs> see, see, there's a difference between knowledge of how a car works and being able to fix that car. Knowledge, wisdom. Okay? Uh, and, and so what we're going to look at this evening is the way of wisdom, a way that knowledge can guide our actions to be in accordance with God's will, his desire to see us be holy as he is holy. As I mentioned earlier, there, there are three inputs that contribute to this path, to this way. And the first is, shocker, God's word. Uh, Solomon opens up this chapter by saying, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. So the, his first look is, uh, you, you go to scripture. Now, now, here's what Solomon is not saying. He's not saying, cherry pick a verse out of context and try to make it fit as an answer. Um, I, I once heard a, a joke about a guy who wasn't sure what to do with his life, and someone told him, you should read your Bible. And so, not sure where to begin, he decides he's going to randomly open his Bible. And, and he does so, he opens it up to Matthew 27, 5, which reads, Judas went and hanged himself. Not sure what to make of that. He tried it again. He randomly opens up his Bible, and he turns to Luke 10, 37, in which Jesus says, you go and do likewise. Assuming that he must be getting a wrong signal, he tries it one more time. He opens to John 13, 27, in which Jesus says, what you are going to do, do quickly. Do, do you see the problem? The, 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 see, the Bible will not come out and say, you should be a video game designer. It, it's just, it doesn't work like that. What the Bible is, 
according to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, is the spoken word of God, which equips us and makes us complete. And the way it does this is it reveals God to us and allows us to know him more. And that's actually pretty important for the decision-making process. See, when you know someone and care deeply about them, uh, you actually begin making decisions with them in mind. If they value something, you will value that thing. If they despise something, so do you. My RA in college, he, uh, he did not like tea. He thought it was just nasty, like flavored water if you will. However, he was super interested in this girl who happened to love tea. And so by the end of the year, guess who really liked tea? Why? Well, because it was important to her. And so it became important to him. In the same way, when we, when we learn more about God, as we come to know him more, we better understand what he delights in and what he despises. And so scripture orients us toward what pleases God. And, and in so doing, it actually eliminates some options because God will never lead you to do something that is inconsistent with what he says in scripture. And so if someone says to you, well, I know they aren't a Christian, but God told me I should marry them. No, he didn't. Because elsewhere in his word, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, he said not to be unequally yoked. Or, or, or if, you, if you feel like, well, God told me it was okay to sleep in on Sundays and not attend church. No, he did not. Why? Because, because God's will, according to Hebrews 10, 25, is that we not give up meeting together. And so scripture is the starting place when we try to make these decisions. Uh, it's... It is the, the line where scripture or God has spoken to us. But as we, we noted before, a lot of these questions that we wrestle with, these issues um, are, are non-moral or it's a choice between like two good, acceptable things that are consistent with God's character. And so while scripture is the starting point, so we, we do actually need further input. Uh, and this is where the, the second thing comes into play. You, you seek counsel. Uh, Solomon continues on. He, he instructs uh, the younger individual to make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. See, one of the, the great gifts that God gives us is the people who can speak into our lives. God will use them in our lives to direct us, to affirm, and even deter us in the decision-making process. Now, now, by this, by this, I don't mean that you should let them make the decision for you. Remember last week, we aren't passive in the decision-making process. We are responsible for our choices, and we own the consequences of those decisions. However, God places people in our lives to help remove blind spots and make a wise decision. Um, you, know, and you see, in, um, in Proverbs 1817, it tells us that the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and, examine him, and examines him. Uh, in other words, something can sound like a great idea. It can sound like it's God's will in your head. And then when you say it out loud to someone, they can point out that it's not as great as you think it is. You might think that being an engineer would be the perfect job for you because you'll make a lot of money and it'll be a comfortable job. But then your parents point out, hey, 
you hate math. That's not a good choice for you. Uh, or, or maybe maybe you want to, uh, to date this person and they seem awesome, but your life group leader is like, yeah, I'm kind of seeing some red flags. You might want to think about this, this, and that. Um, this is part of the way of wisdom. These individuals that God places in our lives help us to see things with clarity and then enables you to make a more informed, wise decision. And so, so please... Uh, includes your parents, your, your teachers, your youth pastor, your youth leaders in your process. Uh, we love you guys. We want to help you make the wisest decisions that you possibly can. We want to see you guys pursuing God's will and, and try to help you avoid some pitfalls. But I'm also not so naive as to think that you only listen to those who are older than you. Um, most of you probably put just as much, if not more, stock in what your peers say and think than what all of us old folk think. Um, this, and so what this means is that, that if you want to live in line with God's will, you need to be very intentional about the friends, the counsel that you keep. So do you have friends who will help direct you toward God and his expressed will for you, who will speak truth in your life, because you need them. You need them if you have any hope of making wise decisions in line with God's will. And perhaps just as important, are you a friend who helps point others toward God and his will for their lives? It cuts both ways. Okay, so we've searched the scriptures. We've sought counsel. Now what? Well, the final thing. Uh, we, we pray. Uh, Solomon talks about this in verse 3. Yes, he says, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Now, here's what, I, here's what Solomon, and by extension, I don't mean by that. Uh, we, we don't mean that you throw out a fleece. Um, uh, this is where we, like, test the waters and try to get God to confirm that we're going in the right direction. Uh, I've seen people do this, like, with major purchases. So, like, like, a family will need a car, and they will find one that is a great vehicle. It's within their budget. It's got everything they're looking for, but they will not buy it. No, no, no. Instead, they will say something like this. We're going to pray about it for a week, and if the car is still there, then God wants us to buy it. Typically, the car is not there, and they'll say something like, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. No, it was just a great deal. Um, see, see... God does not invite us to test him like Gideon does. Do you guys remember that story in Judges 6 where, where God tells Gideon, I want you to go defeat the Midianites. And Gideon's like, are you sure? Do this for me. I'm going to put a fleece out. I want you to make the ground wet and the fleece dry. And then if that happens, then I'll know that you're with me. And I'm like, oh, that sounds perfect. I should do that. No, don't do that. That's a pagan practice. It's never encouraged in Scripture. This tells us that Gideon did it. When, when, when Scripture tells us to pray, what I mean by that, what it means by that is, is that we, we pray, as, um, as Jack was talking about this weekend at Winter Retreat, if you're there, we pray a dangerous prayer. Not, God, keep me safe. Make all my decisions work out perfectly and make me happy. No, we, we actually ask that God would give us wisdom, that, that he would reveal our motives, that he would help us see clearly and act in accordance 
with his character. We pray that prayer, and then we make the decision. And that's the way of wisdom. You seek God in his word, you receive counsel, you pray, and then you make the decision. And then you act. That's the way that you and I walk in wisdom and make non-moral decisions in line with God's will for us. And, and so like, let, let me just land the plane. How do we make non-moral decisions consistent with God's will? Well, we, we use the way of wisdom. And, and, and this way is not a GPS system. It will not provide for you step-by-step instructions for what you should do with your life. What it is, is a compass. It, it points us toward God's expressed desire to make us holy. And when we seek God in his word, when we receive wise counsel, and, 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 and when we pray, we can confidently make decisions and move toward that desire that God has for us. And so we're going to be unpacking this a little bit more tonight in small groups. So let me pray, and then uh, you all will be dismissed. Father, uh, we come before you, and we thank you that, um, as we have said many times in this series, that you love us and you work all things for our good to conform us to the image of your Son. Father, we confess that sometimes we are overwhelmed by the, some of these life decisions that we must make, that we get so wrapped up and try to guarantee a correct decision. Father, would you help us rest in the fact that you are in control and also apply this way of wisdom to, to, to make wise, informed decisions that move us toward your stated goal for us to be holy as you are holy. Father, we confess that in all things, we need you. And so, Father, as these decisions, big and small, arise in our life, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you guide us toward being a greater reflection of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.